Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Unranked with Logan Kelleher. Again, that is me, the host of this show. There was a lot of action yesterday, some good games, specifically Ohio State and Penn State late at night. We had the Stanford-Notre Dame game also last night take place at the same time. It was a little bit one-sided. And then earlier in the day, we saw West Virginia handle Texas Tech. And I'm going to get to all those games. And I'm going to get to them pretty quickly. First thing I want to talk about is I made some predictions last week. Those predictions were for a few games that I thought were the most important. And by that, I mean they were the games where there were two ranked teams. Which there are games that are important where it's only one ranked team or two unranked teams. And we'll look at those over the course of the year. But for me, the ones I wanted to try and predict were the ones that were between two ranked teams. And so the first prediction I made in this segment is going to be predictions right and wrong. So first prediction I made was Ohio State and Penn State. I said that it was going to be offensive heavy and high scoring. And it was almost the opposite of that. There was a lot of defense being played, a lot of good defense. Penn State had a tough front four that didn't really ever let Ohio State get anything going on the ground. J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber, who I predicted would be a key part of the win, were really held to nothing. J.K. Dobbins had one rushing touchdown, and Weber couldn't really find much more than four or five yards per rush. It ended up being the quarterbacks who were really the difference makers in this game. For Ohio State, it was Dwayne Haskins. For Penn State, it was Trace McSorley. And Trace McSorley had one of the best games over the weekend where he finished with over 450 total yards. And of those 450 total yards, he had 175 of them on the ground, which shows how much heart McSorley has and how much he cares about the game of college football. Along with his ground attack, he had 286 yards through the air with two touchdowns, completed 16 of 32 passes for a perfect 50%. Miles Sanders, though, who had 200 yards last week's 63-24 win over Illinois, was held to 43 today against the Buckeyes. And that was what Ohio State needed to do to have any chance of winning this game. It started off in Penn State's favor. In a low-scoring first quarter, it was 3-0 to zero by the end. Then in the second quarter, Penn State got another field goal. And then shortly after that one, six minutes later, Trace McSorley completed to K.J. Hamler for a 93-yard touchdown. And then with under two minutes to go in the half, Ohio State, in return, had Dwayne Haskins throw a touchdown pass to J.K. Dobbins. 
So at the half, it was 7-13 to 13 in favor of the Nittany Lions at home in the wideout, which James Franklin wanted to be a key part of the game, and it was. At the beginning of the game, Ohio State really couldn't do much. As I mentioned on the ground, they were held to little to no yardage. And then Dwayne Haskins really couldn't get anything through the, through the passing game. He was having to resort to short dink and dunk completions throughout the course of the half. And then, then came the third quarter where Ohio State truly had a fire lit in their players. The coaches really had a had an impact on their players and they got them to believe in the game in which they needed to. J.K. Dobbins ran for his rushing touchdown he had in the game in the third quarter at the 10-27 mark. That was the only score of the third quarter. And then the fourth quarter came, which as it has been in the past two years, was the best part of the game. Anybody watching would agree. It was back and forth. Or not necessarily back and forth. I take that back. It was Penn State early on getting two touchdowns. First, it was Trace McSorley completing to his tight end, Pat Fryermuth. Got that right. The freshman. And then later in the quarter, Miles Sanders ran in for his only touchdown of the game from one yard out. And that was at the 808 mark. So at 808, it was 26 to 14 in favor of Penn State. And then it was Ohio State's turn to try to come back and win the game, try to hold on to that number four ranking. And they did. First, it was Dwayne Haskins completing the Benjamin Victor for a 47-yard touchdown where he, he was wide open on the play. There was a lapse in the coverage for Penn State's secondary, and he was able to find the end zone. And throughout the fourth quarter, Ohio State's defense held. Penn State kept them out of the end zone. And at the 212 mark, Dwayne Haskins completed to KJ Hill for a 24 yard score. And that gave them the lead. They went for two and they failed to get it. So it was 27 to 26. And Penn State had one more shot to try to win the game. But they they would not get anything positive from that opportunity. And Ohio State ended up holding out. Penn State dropped to four and one, their first loss to this loss of the season. Ohio State moved to five and zero, their first one of the season. That was one of the games that I had predicted 
I predicted Ohio State would win, and that would be close, and whoever had the last, whoever had the ball last would win. I was not right about who had the ball last was going to win because Penn State had the ball last, and they did not win. But I was right about it being close. It was a one-point game in Ohio State's favor. I mentioned that Mike Weber and J.K. Dobbins would be key in the game. Each only ran for 50 yards, so I'd say I was kind of wrong on that. Trace McSorley, who had 450 total yards, like I said, was really the mainstay of the Penn State offense. He wanted to win this game. He knew how important it was, and he played his heart out. And that's what you want from your quarterback. He's been at Penn State for a long time. He's been a winner. Just couldn't do it tonight. And that sticks with you. But that'll help help him leading into the next game. The Penn State will have next week off. But then the next week, they will play Michigan State, another ranked opponent. As of now, as of now, Michigan State is ranked. And then Ohio State, they will have a game against Indiana, a Big Ten contest for them again, which they should be able to handle business. So this was a good game for each team to try to prove themselves. Penn State couldn't, but they had the lead, kept it close. That's why they only dropped two in the rankings. Ohio State was able to come back. They actually moved ahead, and I'll get to that when I talk about the rankings. But the other games I wanted to talk about, Stanford and Notre Dame. I predicted Stanford would win a close game, and I also predicted that Notre Dame was ranked too highly for how they were playing. They proved me wrong. Notre Dame took that game 38-17, to and I was instantly shut up. <laughs> Ian Book had another great game, four passing touchdowns, no rushing touchdowns this time, but continuing to prove that he is deserving of the starting spot and that he is the quarterback moving forward. Dexter Williams for Notre Dame. It was his first game of the season. He was filling in for an injured running back for Notre Dame. Had 161 yards and a touchdown, helped helped Notre Dame win that game. And Notre Dame had good defense as well, limiting the offense for Stanford and ultimately winning the game. So I was wrong on that prediction. And then I was also wrong on this prediction. I predicted a BYU upset over Washington. It was not the case. Washington handled business 35-7. to I stated that Jake Browning wasn't playing well and... Again, I was proven wrong. He was 23 of 25 passing. And on the defensive side of things, Washington held BYU to under 200 yards, which all played a part in them winning their game. Earlier in the day, West Virginia and Texas Tech played a game to high-powered offenses. That's what I had said. It was going to be high scoring, and the passing game was going to be relied on. It ended up being 42-37. to 37. 
in favor or 42 to 34, I'm sorry, in favor of West, West Virginia. Texas Tech tried to get something at the end, but a late turnover stopped any hope of that. West Virginia behind Will Greer continues to prove that they have a place in in the rankings. And they people likes them after their game. They move up three. West Virginia takes on Kansas next week. So it'll be a don't want to say an easy game, but it's an easier game than what they've been playing. Kansas hasn't been good over the years. This year they have a good running back, Puka Williams Jr., playing well. I think West Virginia and Will Greer will continue to win, continue to roll. Will Greer is one of the one of the quarterbacks that's really looking like they're in the front of the race for the Heisman. It was a good game again for him today. Last game, I and so I was I didn't predict a winner there, but it was high scoring and the passing game was relied on. So I take that as a win. <laughs> Oregon and California played a night game. 19 versus 24. And I said Oregon was going to win. They wanted to bounce back from their tough loss in overtime to Stanford the week before. And they did. They won 42-24. to 24. Their two running backs, Verdell and Dye, each had 100 yards. Herbert was very efficient at the quarterback position. And on the other hand, California's quarterback, Brandon McIlwain, had a good rushing performance, over 100 yards on the ground. He had 123 on 15 carries with a touchdown. Patrick Laird for California, 92 yards and a touchdown. But it was their passing game that really limited them on the California side. One touchdown pass from Brandon McIlwain. Chase Garbers was in the game as well at quarterback, and him and Brandon McIlwain each had two interceptions. On the other side, Herbert, no interceptions, 16-22, played well. And Oregon ultimately took, took the game, took back control of their season, looking to continue their season on a high note. But they will get a week off. They will play no game next week. And those were my predictions for this past week. A couple of game recaps. One of the, a game like Ohio State's was Clemson nearly losing to Syracuse. Clemson was trailing for the majority of the game. Syracuse had control of the game. And Trevor Lawrence, who was named the starter, causing a Kelly Bryant transfer, was playing all right until he was knocked out of the game, and Chase Bryce would have to come in for the quarterback. At halftime, it was 16-7 to in favor of Syracuse. It was a touchdown run from one yard for Eric Dungy, and then three field goals for Syracuse. Made it 16-7. Travis Etienne had one rushing touchdown. 
in the first half. And the second half was when Clemson started to make a comeback. Third quarter, there was two field goals for Clemson, one from 43 and one from 38 that Hugel made, making it 16-13. to 13. And then in the fourth quarter, Eric Dungy ran again from one yard out for a touchdown, making it 23-13. to 13. And then with 11-16, Travis Etienne ran 26 yards for a score. And then with 44 seconds left in the game, Travis Etienne ran again for a touchdown from two yards out, giving them the lead. Syracuse couldn't do anything at the end of the game, and Clemson held on for a victory. In the end, ETN ran for 203 yards, three touchdowns, really helped them win the game. When Trevor Lawrence was injured, Chase Bryce came in, hadn't seen much action in any game so far this year, really. And having a good running back really helps a quarterback, especially when they come into a game with such high stakes. It was good to good for Chase Bryce to have Travis Etienne in that moment. And some other games that are worth highlighting over the weekend. Some top five teams took care of business. Alabama and Georgia at number one and number two each handled their opponents. Alabama had a game against Louisiana. They won 56-14. Tua Tagovailoa had another great performance, 8 of 8 for 128 yards, two touchdowns. Jalen Hurts, who decided he's staying with Alabama, a smart move, playing under a good coach, playing in a good system, most likely going to win another championship. It's most likely not going to hurt him. And that's a really that's really him just being a role model for other players in college football. And I think the motivation for some people to move schools is they want to be in the spotlight. They want to be the main man. But Jalen Hurts doesn't care about that. He knows he's done enough. He's he's a national championship winning quarterback with a really good record. And when the time's right, he'll get to shine again. And then their third string quarterback, Mac Jones was able to come in, had a 94-yard touchdown to Jalen Waddell, who had a really good game, had three total touchdowns, two receiving, and then a punt return touchdown as well in the game. 63-yard punt return in the first quarter, all part of a 28-point first quarter Showing for Alabama, 21 points in the second quarter. It was 49-0 at the half. Then Mac Jones threw his touchdown pass in the game, 94 yards, make it 56-0. And then the Raging Cajuns scored the only two touchdowns of the fourth quarter, which just made it a little bit closer, made them feel a little bit better about themselves. On the other hand, Georgia, they took care of business at home against Tennessee, 38-12. 38-12. to 12. Jake Fromm was an efficient 16-22 for 185 yards. DeAndre Swift and Justin Fields each had two touchdowns apiece on the ground. And Nauda had a fumble recovery for a touchdown. 
in the first quarter. It was just a good showing for Georgia. Continue to show why they're at the top. They played smart football, didn't let any mistakes ruin their chances of winning. And for Tennessee, they dropped two and three. Georgia at five and zero oh, kept their number two ranking. Alabama kept their number one ranking. And then LSU and Oklahoma at five and six handled their opponents. LSU beating Ole Miss and Oklahoma beating Baylor. In Oklahoma, it was a shootout. One of the key performances over the weekend was Kyler Murray, who was actually benched to start the game. He wasn't out for the whole game, but Austin Kendall started the game, and Kyler Murray came in not long after that, 17-21, for 432 yards, six touchdowns, and no interceptions for Kyler Murray, who also added 45 yards on the ground with a touchdown. They handled Baylor, 66-33. And then later that night, that's when LSU had their game against Ole Miss, handled them 45-16, to remained undefeated on the season. Ole Miss dropped to 3-2. and two. Joe Burrow, 292 through the air, three touchdowns, which ties his amount for the season on passing touchdowns, continues to play efficient football, not turning the ball over, guiding this team in the right direction, had 96 yards on the ground with a touchdown, showed that he can be mobile. Nick Brosette and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on the ground for LSU each had a touchdown. And that dynamic duo in the backfield was able to be what helped them win that game. Auburn played a game against Southern Miss. That game was delayed for a long time because of lightning and storms in the area. They ended up holding off Southern Miss, winning 24-13. Auburn was able to hold Southern Miss to 45 yards rushing, but Auburn only had 96 on the ground, and no team had more than 245 yards through the air. Auburn had 245, Southern Miss had 215. So a very non-offensive game, but Auburn won the game in the end. As I mentioned, Washington played BYU 135-7. West Virginia held off Texas Tech 42-34. And University of Central Florida continues the nation's longest winning streak as they beat Pittsburgh yesterday. And that was good enough to move Central Florida up to 12, one up from being 13th last week. Dropping down in the rankings, Michigan was losing to Northwestern 0-17, and they came back with 20 unanswered including two touchdown runs by Karan Higdon to win the game against Northwestern 20-17. to Miami had a stellar defensive performance earlier in the week to beat North Carolina. Kentucky keeps winning besides a sol- behind a solid ground attack. 
between Benny Snell and Terry Wilson, running back and quarterback duo. Texas and Michigan State each handled their opponents. Oregon beat California, bouncing back from their loss against Stanford. Duke loses for the first time this year to Virginia Tech, and Virginia Tech moves up in the rankings, back into the rankings after losing to Old Dominion to get knocked out. And finally, Mississippi State lost again, this time to Florida. Low-scoring affair. End of that game was 13-6. to So that was all the top 25 matchups over the week. And some unranked games I wanted to talk about. There was a game in the Mid-American Conference, the MAC, between two not-so-talked-about teams. It was 1-3 Northern Illinois versus 2-2 two two Eastern Michigan. It was a three-overtime game. In the first quarter of that one, Chad Ryland made a 29-yard field goal for Eastern Michigan. And then Tyler Wiegers completed a touchdown pass to Lyon Latou, 34 yards for a touchdown. Then Andrew Gans for Northern Illinois made a 43-yard field goal. Into the second quarter, Marcus Jones ran for two yards for a touchdown. And then Andrew Gans made his second field goal of the game, making it 13-10. to And then the fourth quarter, Chad Ryland made a 28-yard field goal, seven seconds left, tie at 13. Then into overtime, the teams go back and forth, and whoever doesn't score loses. Eastern Michigan had the ball first. Shaq Van ran for a 14-yard score. And then Marcus Childers for Northern Illinois completed a touchdown pass to Ty Harmston for 11 yards, making it 20-20. to Moving on to a second overtime where neither team scored. And then the third overtime, Chad Ryland made a field goal to start it off, but then Trey Harbison ran for a one-yard touchdown to win the game for Northern Illinois in a wild game. But even more interesting than that game was a game that I obviously care about. If anybody listened to the last episode of this podcast, you will know that I like the team on the island, the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. They handled... They, they ended up winning 44-41 to 41 against San Jose State. One in the five overtimes. It was Ryan Meskel making a 35-yard field goal that ended up winning the game. And kickers were struggling a little bit in the game. They were missing field goals. But Meskel... Made one when it counted in the fifth overtime. The first overtime, Dayton Feroda ran for his first touchdown of the game, first touchdown of the season. And then to answer, San Jose State Malik Roberson ran for a touchdown as well. And then neither team scored again until the fourth overtime, where each kicker made a field goal. And then in the fifth overtime, San Jose State couldn't score. Ryan Meskel made the 35-yarder to win the game. And then the final game of unranked that I'd like to talk about, Arizona State and Oregon State. This was a one-sided affair. Arizona State ended up winning 52-24, to 
but it's the running backs that I want to highlight in this one. For Arizona State, Eno Benjamin had 312 yards on the ground, topping all college football running backs, had three touchdowns, was a big reason in why Arizona State won. Manny Wilkins, three touchdown passes, and Nikhil Harry, a wide receiver, had a rushing touchdown as well. Oregon State, on the other hand, had a performance by Jamar Jefferson, ran for 254 yards and two touchdowns. And that was that was just a good college football game. You have two running backs running up and down the field, get, getting solid performances for each of themselves. Props to each running back for the games they had. And that leads right into the top performances of the week, which is a new sort of segment I want to do. Want to highlight players who lead, who led the, who led college football over the weekend. So here we go. Top passer was Josh Love, who was one of the quarterbacks in that five overtime thriller against Hawaii. He was the quarterback for San Jose State. Josh Love was 28 of 49 for 451 yards and three touchdowns. That was the best, or the most yarded, most yards for a quarterback over the week, weekend. And then the top rusher, as I mentioned, was Eno Benjamin. 312, 312 yards on the ground with three touchdowns. And second to that was Jamar Jefferson for Oregon State, who had 254 on two, 254 yards, 254 yards with two touchdowns. Then the leading receiver was not somebody from San Jose State. It was, in fact, a wide receiver for one of the newest FBS teams, Liberty. In their 52-43 to win against New Mexico, it was Antonio Gandy-Golden who had 11 catches for 245 yards and one touchdown. His quarterback, Stephen Calvert, 417 yards through the air. So he had over half of that yardage just by himself. So good job on all these guys for their performances over the week and hopes that they can continue to do do well over the course of the season. I have some honorable mentions, some performances that I believe should be highlighted. First one I want to bring up is quarterback Kyler Murray. I mentioned him earlier, the seven touchdown performance against Baylor today, where he was sidelined for the beginning due to disciplinary reasons. He was sidelined because he missed, or he was late to a Friday practice, which is understandable. You should not be late. <laughs> Kyler Murray's performance. And then the next performance I want to highlight is Mackenzie Milton, who is currently guiding Central Florida on their miraculous run, 17 straight victories. He had 328 passing yards with four touchdowns, ran for 51 yards and two touchdowns. 
and he's really making a statement to the college football world, showing that Central Florida is a team that you shouldn't shouldn't take for granted. They can do something. They'll definitely be in the conversation for New Year's Six, and if they go undefeated again, anybody who loves an underdog would love to see them in the college football playoff, even though they'd probably get their get their butts whooped <laughs> is the simplest way to put that. But it would still be by Alabama, of course, because it would most likely be a four against a number one. I already pointed it out, but Trace McSorley had a good game overall on the ground and through the air. 450 total yards. He had 286 through the air, two touchdowns, and then 175 yards on 25 carries in a losing effort, which is heartbreaking, but still a great performance by the quarterback for Penn State. And then, as I mentioned, Jalen Waddle, wide receiver for Alabama. Two receiving touchdowns and a punt return touchdown, all part of that whooping of Louisiana. And some defensive players that deserve some time in the spotlight. It was Joe Jackson for Miami, for the Miami Hurricanes in that win against North Carolina. He had a 42-yard interception return, and as a D-end, defensive end, (laughs) that must have felt good for him. He forced two fumbles as well, deflected a pass, and also had a sack. So one of the better defensive performances of the week. The other good defensive performance of the week was by Daryl Taylor, an outside linebacker for the Tennessee Volunteers. Forced two fumbles and had three sacks. The team lost, but Daryl Taylor proved his heart and proved his love for college football and the, the just sport of football in general. So those were some of my key players of the week. And then a guy I just wanted to point out because he's just having a great season so far, leading college football in passing yards, passing touchdowns, Cole McDonald, another great passing performance, 341 yards, four touchdowns, one interception for only second of the year. But that puts him at 2,100 yards. That's 200 or it's 100 above the the next place quarterback, who is Gardner Minshew of Washington State. And and then he is is also in front of the next closest quarterbacks as well in yardage. He has played one more game than most other quarterbacks. Hawaii has played six games instead of the usual five for most teams. But it's still very it's still it's still a very good showing passing the ball this year. Took a drink of my water. Throat's getting a little dry. Mouth's getting a little dry. So those were my players, key players. I had good games this week. So now looking at the top 25 polls that just came out today. I'm recording this on a Sunday. 
Alabama and Georgia stay at one and two. Alabama plays at Arkansas next week. Georgia plays at home against Vanderbilt, which should be easy games for both of them. Easy to win. Ohio State moves up to number three. Clemson drops to number four. The two swap places. But shouldn't swap again or shouldn't move again due to their games. Ohio State has a home game against Indiana. Clemson travels to Wake Forest, but should not be too much of a challenge like Syracuse was this past weekend. It'll be interesting to see who ends up playing quarterback for Clemson. We'll see if Trevor Lawrence is back. He was walking off under his own power, so he should be back, but we'll just have to wait and see. LSU retains their number five positioning. They'll play at Florida, which Florida just jumped up to 22nd. So one of the ranked matchups between two ranked teams. Notre Dame at number six after being eighth two weeks ago, or this past weekend, this past week, play at Virginia Tech, who jumped up to number 24 after the win today, or Saturday. That's another game. Virginia Tech can prove themselves that the Old Dominion game was a fluke, and they are still a really good team. Notre Dame wants to prove that they deserve to be in the talk for a national or a college football playoff bid. Oklahoma moves down to number seven. They'll play against number 19, Texas. Auburn moves up to number eight after being number 10. They play at Mississippi State, which is a team that's been consistently falling the past couple weeks. They're now out of the rankings entirely. And then West Virginia, who jumped up three spots from 12 to 9, plays at home against Kansas this next week, which should be another game where Will Greer can show his ability to pass the ball, show why he's a Heisman candidate. Washington moves to number 10 from number 11. They play at UCLA. UCLA struggling. They're still winless on the season. So should be a should be another good game. Jake Browning can show can prove me wrong that he isn't playing less than last season that he's playing at the same spot he was last year. Be interesting to see. Penn State, who's 11th after being 9th following the Ohio State loss, have no game next week. UCF moves up to number 12 after being 13th. They play SMU. Number 13, Kentucky, who was 17th this past weekend, continue to win, continue to inch closer to that top 10 for the first time in a long time. They play at Texas A&M, which will be a good showing, see if they deserve to be there, if they are just on a on a uh, stroke of luck. And Stanford, who dropped to number 14 after their Tough loss to Notre Dame. Plays Utah in a bounce-back game. Michigan and Wisconsin out of the Big Ten. Play fellow Big Ten teams, Maryland and, and Nebraska. Games where they can show they belong in the rankings again. Maryland and Nebraska each on the bottom side of the conference. The Miami-Florida dropped to number 17. After being 16th, they play Florida State. 
Florida State has been struggling this year. We'll see if they can bounce back and maybe upset the Hurricanes or if the Hurricanes can continue their defensive power and handle Florida State as well. Oregon moves up to number 18 after being 19th. They have a bye week this week. Texas swapped places with Oregon. They're now 19th after being 18th. They, like I said, play at Oklahoma in what will probably be one of the better games the games of the week. Michigan State moves up one from being 21st. They're now 20th, and they played Northwestern. Northwestern just almost beat Michigan, so we'll see what they do against Michigan State. And then five new additions to the rankings. It's Colorado, Florida, North Carolina State, Virginia Tech, and Oklahoma State. And Florida and Virginia Tech already talked about, play LSU and Notre Dame respectively. Colorado has a game against Arizona State. And Eno Benjamin, the stellar running back who had a great performance this weekend. Colorado still undefeated. See if they get their first loss or if they can continue their winning. The North Carolina State, who's also undefeated, play Boston College, who was ranked earlier this year, fell out of the rankings after a loss. That should be a good game. North Carolina State loses, Boston College may have a chance to jump back in, or North Carolina State can prove that they have a spot in these polls. And the final game, Oklahoma State and Iowa State. Oklahoma State back in the rankings. Will want to stay there, but may have trouble against a decent Iowa State team. That has posed problems for teams the past couple weeks. And as mentioned, some of the key matchups next week that are going to be the better games. Virginia Tech playing home against Notre Dame. Being at home will definitely help them. But Ian Book should still be starting for Notre Dame. And if he has another good game, it could be enough to have Notre Dame stay winning. And Virginia Tech will get their second loss and really be in a hole. And I, I do think Notre Dame will win that game. They, unlike what I had thought, they are playing pretty well. And I think it will be too much for Virginia Tech, and Virginia Tech will lose that game. Oklahoma playing at home against Texas. Barring any injury over the week or another disciplinary action to Kyler Murray, I think the Sooners take that one. And then Florida hosting... LSU, I think LSU goes into the swamp and pulls out a victory. Florida's playing good football this year, but I think Joe Burrow is the good is the best possible quarterback for LSU right now. He's led them to a 5-0 record so far, and I think the combined rushing attack of Nick Brosette and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is enough and will be enough to help them win and win this game. So my predictions for those, in case you missed it, in case you want to prove me wrong, (laughs) want to rub it in my face, Notre Dame takes their game against Virginia Tech. Oklahoma wins against Texas. And then the final game I mentioned, I believe LSU will win playing on the road against Florida. And that's it for this episode. 
It was a solid second episode. I did better than the first episode. I hope you can agree. Wasn't a lot of stumbling or pausing. If there was, I want to say that it was because I've been drinking water this episode, trying to not have to clear my throat because that does not sound good going into the microphone, I'm sure. And so I'll be back again next week. This one should be out. I'm recording on a Sunday and I learned that this is a pretty fast, uh, pretty fast website. They, they put stuff up pretty quickly. If you're listening to this on anything besides anchor, it'll be up later in the week. If you're listening to it on anchor, you'll get it immediately. So I recommend getting the app. It's not bad at all. You just have to put in an email and a password like anything else, and you're good to go. You can listen to podcasts on here. There's a few good ones that I've listened to, and I hope you think the same. But that's, like I said, that's it for this episode. I'll be back again next week. Another episode Sunday or Monday, whenever I can get around to it. And we'll see what college football has in store for us. This has been Unranked with Logan Kelleher. Goodbye. See you later.